0: All right, guys. Today we have Andrew Perry on the podcast. Andrew's the CEO of the Fine Estates team, the, currently the number two team in Niagara. Andrew runs two offices for Revel Realty in Niagara-on-the-Lake and Muskoka, and is a director of the fast-growing independent brokerage. Andrew's also an international speaker and the host of that Fine Life podcast. Andrew, welcome to the show. Quick shout out to our sponsor, Landlord. If you want three months of free premium access, click the link down below. Andrew, we're happy to have you here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime, anytime. I'm a little worried about that traffic getting in here. Yeah, you're from Toronto. We're uh, in Toronto, or in Toronto yeah, today. But uh, every time I do that, honestly, guys, it says like, it says, "Hey, you're gonna get here in like five friggin' hours." And then I get on the road, and I get there in like an hour and a half. And then I got to chill outside. You know. You know
2: what? It's it's opposite for me. I find that. When I come into Toronto, it tells me like 47 minutes and then it keeps adding time and adding time.
1: Do you, and do you have an iPhone? That, yes. Do you and use that's, Apple?
2: I, I, yeah, I use Google Maps.
1: Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Do mm-hmm. so I use ways now? I, use Waze I used too. to never yeah. use it cause I'm like, that's such a Toronto. Yeah, yeah, It's like WhatsApp. I just <laughs> started using WhatsApp like <laughs> a week ago. No. Even my clients are coming from Toronto now. They're like, okay, like what's your WhatsApp? I'm like, oh. <laughs> I hate so I actually, I, hate I now everybody uses it so much, I had to u- move it from one screen into my home dock, because yeah. I, yeah. I kept missing notifications. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. But yeah, no, I started using Waze, and then and then my car has live traffic. So I started using my car, because I never trusted my car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always yeah, the app. Time. But uh, yeah, so regardless, got here early. Beautiful. Went on a couple conference calls before we started.
0: Yeah, well, you are a busy guy. You do a lot. What's, uh, I guess, tell our listeners kind of what you do. We spoke about it briefly, but uh, you know, what's your kind of day-to-day like? Yeah,
1: we, we, you know, we, our team is so on fire lately and I felt that, you know, over the last two years, it's been very slow. You know, last year, um, Simeon talks about this. It was the slowest year on record almost uh, for the Canadian real estate market. And you know what I noticed very quickly is that if we weren't adapting the way we were doing things and creating a mindset shift into all of our team members, then there's no way that we are ever going to grow.
2: Interesting, because most people would say the opposite. So that's huge to hear, because most people are saying, "Hey, I was so busy during the COVID years. Yeah, and everything was. I was on fire, and I loved real estate. And now I'm thinking of getting a second job." Is what I'm hearing, and. Something like 30,000, 40,000 agents either have a second job now or planning to leave the business. So the fact that you were slow and now kind of have that market share in a, I guess, slower market now. Yeah. That's huge.
1: Well, last year, Niagara was slow. Like, there was... Seven or eight months where it was just like everybody was like, "What the hell is going yeah. on?" We had two months in a row that we goose egged, didn't sell anything. Right. You know, and you got fifty thousand a month in expenses coming out. You're really like, "What the hell am I doing here?" Hard to sleep. Um, but yeah. what we've always been good at is cre- creating those relationships in real estate with our clients and our past clients and our you know um, network. Our business is my personal business. Ninety percent agent agent referrals. So. We doubled down on that, focused way less on lead generation online. And that's how we managed, you know, to become, we were in the top 10 last year. And then we're in the top two, we're number two this year. And, you know, we were, we, I didn't even think we'd ever come close. We had our best year in one of the slowest years on record. And And I think it was because the fact that we were relying on actual relationships, providing value and education, whereas most of the bigger teams were all just trying to get those transactions to come through. That's
2: how you get market share though. In a slow market, people say double down, even, even mine with, when it comes to marketing and hiring out and that sort of thing, bringing more people on costs money and people think, well, Slow your role, like you're spending money, and you know, not as many transactions are happening this year. But that's where you get your market share, and that's where people yeah. start to trust you when things are slow. And it, anyone could do well in a market where every single
1: country is buying. And obviously, there's got to be a, an adjustment on your expenses to some degree from a crazy, crazy busy market to a slower market. But once you start like canceling things, you know, taking away campaigns, taking away your traditional marketing, which I felt was very important over the last two years. Um, that's when you lose your steam, lose your mo- momentum. So what's the point? It takes you years to build up that type of momentum. And then for you to just, you know, stop it, it, right. it just didn't make sense to us.
2: And when people stop seeing you, then it's, it's almost like it's more noticeable when if somebody has like consistent, 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 and then you disappear, it's like, what happened to them? They failed or whatever the yeah. case say. So you mm. have to be, if you're going to plan to do really anything when it comes to marketing, social media, it's, it has to be you're going to be consistent for the, yeah. the entirety of your career. Otherwise, you'll hurt yourself more in the long run, starting strong and then scaling back.
0: That's so true. It is yeah. So most teams are a revolving door. Yes. Most real estate teams. And I think it's yeah. pretty evident in the quality of work that a lot of these teams are doing. It's a revolving door. People are looking for ways to make yep. money and then they're not making money. One person gets favored versus the other. And I think that big team dynamic is probably going to, feel pain as, as time goes on I agree. Uh, in the sense. So in your team, you told me to 12 people, how are you keeping people happy? How are you keeping them staying? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it, I'd love to hear it's it. A, it's a great question. And it, and it stems from the idea, you know, you always have to say you've, you've heard this a hundred times. We, not me, you know, that kind of mindset. Well, for me, it, I truly believed in that where my team's called the finest States team. It's not called the Andrew Perry team. My team, uh, we don't have our photos on our on our for sale signs. You know, most uh, big teams, it's the team leader's face, and that's all. And there's no, you know, flexibility in that, which is totally fine. That's how you build brand recognition. I get it. It's easier to remember a name than it is, you know, a team name. Mm -hmm. But when I came in with that mindset, like, no, this is a group effort. It's going to be a collaborative effort. Uh, your names can go on all the signs that started or built the foundation of really fostering that culture that everybody's opinions matter. And really we've had three people lose, leave the team, but for the most part, our core five people have been there since the beginning. And, you know, we have agents that are there one, two, three, four years. Mm-hmm. So it means a lot. Everybody's opinion and ideas get they're actually encouraged so every team meeting we talk about our wins we talk about what's coming up what's going on we have open forums and we really take everybody's opinions and ideas to heart and see how we can implement them so and and everybody here's the biggest thing too is that everybody knows that if you're on my team they're the way we are growing and at the speed in which we're growing the momentum we've got the ideas i have The vision, the goals, everybody knows that there's a growth role for them. So when we say accelerated growth, we're not saying what most teams say, where, okay, we're going to get you leads, coaching, et cetera, which we do. But the accelerated growth is like, okay, look, we're going to be opening in another market. We're going to need somebody to help run that. Okay, once we have enough markets built out, we're going to need a regional manager. You know, I already promoted one of our top salespeople from a sales role to our VP of sales. You know, she worked at a convenience store for 20 years. Now she's one of the top sellers in the entire Niagara region. And I'm not saying that I did that. I didn't. I just helped her find things within herself. And so I think the other people on our team see that and they're saying, okay, great. If if I stay here with this team, with this culture, I can, you know, exponentially grow not only my income, right. but also my mindset and, and you That's know, my you personal.
2: A lot of teams even do interview processes processes, and make you do things a certain way. Yep. And as a new agent, it's like, hey, I'll listen to you because there's so much to learn. But I switched brokerages a couple of times and it was only until there was no box that I had to fit in. It was like, you do you. Yep. Go out. I'm here if you need me. And I'm going to, number one, introduce you to, like, share my value that I can give to you being in the business for so long and do you and run with it and I'm here to support you in any way that that is what helped me grow because coming from other teams or brokerages where it's like you do things this way and fit into yeah. this box and I'm very much not a person to fit into anybody's yeah. box Shame. Shame. um that that's what helped me so I he, I think that's huge on um team building is, like you grow the way you kind of you see fit and if it aligns with my values like we'll we'll kind of do it together so i, I think that's,
0: yeah that's i think that's there's good there's too many yeah. teams
2: where you have to do things the way they want you to do it and yeah. then eventually they get sick of it eventually e- especially if they get busy enough then those teams end up losing those people so how do how do you not lose people on a team you allow them to grow to a point where they don't think they're good too good um, to be on a team anymore, they feel like right. they're part of it rather than yes, you know exactly. Like they're, yeah,
1: they're getting the same amount of value back as they're putting in, or yeah. more.
0: Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah,
2: interesting. That's okay, interesting. so it's funny that I didn't know that it was Niagara. I see you all the time on social media, so that's why I wanted to, to have um, share some, I guess, thoughts and ideas on this podcast. But um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your market too, because yeah. a lot of our listeners follow. Um, a lot of our listeners, I feel like, aren't um, agents, so what we were just speaking about is helpful for yeah. agents, but for our listeners and buyers and sellers that have yeah. no idea what's going on in the market. Mm,
0: yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, well, what are you seeing in the market? Most of our listeners like it because of the economy stuff, so. Yeah. That's the, p- er- the
2: economy, it's like, yeah. what's going on, it's like, right. what yeah, going on in the economy? What is going on in the economy? So,
0: yeah, I guess, like, in your opinion, I guess, uh, I did see you post a little something in Time for Change uh, this yeah. morning <laughs> on social media with pair. Here, yeah, Pauliev, yeah. and uh, we, yeah. we talk a little bit of pol- politics on this too, because yeah. you know, politics isn't the best thing to talk about, but it does correlate with real estate a lot of the time. So, yeah, what, affects do you, us all. what do you see going forward, I guess, in the market? Uh, affordable housing, let's just jump into it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know what?
1: Niagara has always historically been known, even during COVID, yeah, okay, the prices went up way higher than they should have, but that was kind of blanket. However, it's still the somewhat the same distance from Toronto as like Guelph, Kitchener, Waterloo. So why did Kitchener, Guelph, Waterloo, why did those values go crazy high where Niagara's didn't? It's because Niagara still has a lot of work to do. And we're a very lifestyle, community-driven location. So the problem is, is that there's not as much infrastructure and opportunities as there is in the GTHA. So the prices have now started, people started to realize that mm-hmm. and prices are coming down. Now, having said that, your overall values are still higher in Niagara if COVID didn't happen. So it's not like the market has tanked mm-hmm. and you've lost 50 to 60% of your value. Yeah. You've lost probably on average about, let's just call it 20%. And yeah, we had-
2: If you bought during the peak, the COVID peak of the market, years. Correct. Yeah, okay.
1: 2020, let's call it. Yeah. And so if you had bought anything pre-COVID, you're still way higher than you would have been if COVID never happened, okay. in my opinion. Because if you look at the historical data, we've, over the past 50 years, um, maybe not in Toronto, um, but historically, we've increased by about 5% a year. You used to take my parents, my parents bought for $199 in the middle of the 90s. If COVID never happened, they'd sell it for like 600 maybe. Right where now that COVID happened, it's it's an easy meal for sure. Mm-hmm. So, what I'm finding is that I went to one seller just in Niagara on the Lake, Old Town, and yes, the values there in Old Town it's like Oakville. Mm-hmm. There's no necessary. There's the only reason why that house is so much is because of the location mm-hmm. and what the what the community provides. But I was like, like two one, man, like two one. She's like two one, two seven. I'm like, what are you, do- why? Why do you feel that yeah, yeah, yeah. your house is worth this much? I really want to know. Well, my neighbor sold for this. I'm like, that neighbor's 10,000 square feet. Yeah. Like, So where, where are you getting this information from? Why do you feel it is the way it is? So that and uneducated agents, they're all kind of contributing to this inflation in the area where the days on market are going up, the interest rates are going up, I told you the story. My mortgage went from $3,500 a month to $7,000. I went from a 2.5% to a 6.6. And now I got to eat $72,000 of interest only for the next two two years for no fucking reason. Well, there is a reason. There's a reason. Anyways, um, if it wasn't if I wasn't as blessed to be in the position I am, like that would destroy somebody. I have three kids; that family would have had to move out. Who else has an extra three grand a month just to throw away? Yeah. Right. So, to answer your question about the the market value, is that if sellers if sellers don't get a little more realistic, there's the the buyer the buyer market is cooled off by at least thirty percent. So, nothing's going to sell. It's going to overall hurt the market. Because once people's noticed that and we can't put deals together, they're just going to start looking elsewhere anyways. They already started to. They're like, well, why am I going to look outside of Burlington if Niagara-on-the-Lake is providing a a more expensive opportunity? But in Burlington, I could still get granite countertops. I could still get this. I could still get that where I think it's putting a stall on our market. Like the rural aspects in Niagara-on-the-Lake have completely stalled. We have a beautiful 12-acre property with a, uh, 20-foot-high uh, detached shop. It's got a pond. It's got uh, opportunity to put orchards. It's got a nice house. $1.399, not selling. In Niagara-on-the-Lake. Wow. Like, it, it's insane. It's, you know, people want this convenience of living in a town that has full amenities. They want a Sobies or a Luongo's or wait, that's a, that's a hockey player. What do you call it? Longos. Longos, longos. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, You can tell what I'm from you the, you can tell I'm not from the GTA. <laughs> so um, they want, you know, we don't even have a gym. We don't even have a gym. It closed down. Yeah. You know, you have to drive 30 minutes to go to the closest gym, you know? So I, I understand why, but uh, if we don't, if we don't kind of come down to earth, the real estate market, real estate market is just going to stall where we are. Yeah.
0: It's interesting what you said. You said, uh, you know, if, if COVID didn't happen, we'd be at this price point. Yeah. So are you of the camp that if we didn't drop rates to zero, uh, printed all this money? Cause we really just, in my opinion, we bought from the future and that accelerated real yeah. estate prices. So here we are now with people asking like, where's it going to go? What's going to happen? I'm of the opinion that it's going to be choppy kind of up and down but not high deltas it might just trade sideways for a little bit
1: I, i don't think i don't think if the rates had changed the COVID market would have changed yeah i don't think if the rates people might have gotten themselves less uh in comparable situations but in my opinion people wanted to get the hell out of the city because they didn't want to triple over everybody and get COVID and die. Yeah. Right?
2: Money was also so cheap, though. So buying that second property or buying the Airbnb on the lake or buying your weekend right. home...
1: Yeah, came a lot easier.
2: You walk out of your Toronto home that has a million bucks in equity right. and buying a second property with that at a 1.5 interest rate, right. all of a sudden your calculations make sense. Right. So that I feel like a niagara I, on the lake is a little I, bit- I
1: do agree. <laughs> However, if that rate was still high but the prices were lower... It was kind of a wash there for a little bit. Now we're way too interest heavy, but I like I definitely understand what you're saying. But in my in my opinion, if if it if the rates had chilled at three and four, I still think we would have seen that mass exodus from the city of people's and and they'll still trample over each other to try to win that offer because they really want the house because was still comparably a lot less than right. staying where they were. But you're right. For the secondary market, absolutely. I did exactly what you said. <laughs> Pulled out and bought a, bought a cottage bought a cash. cash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I
2: did that too in COVID I put a HELOC on. It just, it just made sense. People like cheap money. Yeah. People feel all confident. Like we said that last COVID years, everyone wanted to be... Everyone and their mother right. wanted to be uh, a real estate investor because numbers made sense. It no longer was I this agree. tough, you know, calculation of how do I make this work if a HELOC is at three point five and my new rate is at four and this rent—it's just like slam dunk if it's an Airbnb or a double rental property.
1: And, and you know the rental investment mm. market. I mean, look at look 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 what's happening to multifamily right now, residential. Mm.
2: Yeah, a lot of a lot of sellers are selling their houses um, with the tenants in them because they're like, I'm so negative now that this doesn't make sense. Right, and it comes down to you know the initial calculation that you should be doing is to if you're on a variable rate, maybe not testing yourself at as high as they went. That would be extreme, um, but having you know, cushion for all of the risk margin of so error. Mob, margin yeah. Of error. Margin of
0: error. So yeah. if
1: we had, if we had all these in your opinion, obviously is what I'm looking for. If we had these stress tests implemented, like, I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> but I mean, does that not seem like it was just too perfectly lined up? I mean, you know, we had very, very low rates, 2016, 2017, I think, in and around that time. And then they brought in the stress test. And then, did, did they increase the stress test? Mm-hmm. Like, right, they did, right? And that was so, when it was implemented. Right. And yeah. then, so why, why have the rates gone so far above that? Yeah. To me, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Okay, let's test everybody who's buying a house. Can they make it a couple points higher? Yeah. Okay. Great. So let's increase it by five or six points higher, yeah. and let's really push this thing. I don't I don't understand what's going on, and I I like for example here's a story. So I have my own house that I just told you about. I also have a uh, mixed use. I got two commercial units and four residential units in it, valued at around one point four. It's in Muskoka, and uh, I owe 650 on it, okay. making cash flow of about 2500 bucks okay. So far, once the, my new tenant is gone or my new tenant is in because my old tenant just left, that will increase another like 400 bucks. 500 So tell me this. Why did the bank that we go to say, okay, we'll give you 510000 like what the hell are you talking about? This property is worth 1.4 million dollars. I have a mortgage of 650 on it, and you're telling me that you're only going to give me 510,000 as well as increase the rates. Yeah. Wait,
2: 510,000?
1: That's all they're willing to give me to loan me for this property because I had to renew. I was coming from a private to a. Yeah.
2: Wait, were you commercial. refinancing and pulling that out?
1: No. Like that's all they would that's all they would lend me for that property. <laughs> if I wanted to keep it, I'd have to come yeah. up with another $125,000 or whatever it was. Well, I don't even, if you really boil we it down. We went to another bank, by the way. But.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. If you really boil it down, they don't know what they're doing. Like you have that the new housing minister saying, prices are not going to come down, but we're still going to immigrate a lot of people. Yeah. And they're going to come here and they're going to build more supply. And then you have the the immigration guy saying that we need more skilled workers to come here to build more supply. For immigrants to buy and, and live yep. into. too, it do, it does not
2: the it's a perfect economics don't make
0: any it's sense a perfect
2: storm they're
1: passing the buck yeah
0: yeah in yeah. terms
2: of what you're just talking about if you look at the job numbers that just came out forty five thousand jobs were lost uh, in the construction industry yep. they weren't um, retirees like it was like I was assuming that it was baby boomers yeah um, who a lot of them are in the construction industry having retired no forty five thousand construction jobs were lost and that's due to developers not having new construction starts, but then they're saying, we need, I think it's an imperative or some mm. verbiage like that, new immigrants to come. Um, and build these house, houses. Build houses, yeah. we need them skilled. But now those immigrants are competing with these 45,000 people who are laid off. Have lost their jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but we need these immigrants yeah. to build houses, but we can't even house them.
0: It's all theater. Um, so it's,
2: it's a perfect storm, but um again yeah it's like one person Mm. has a solution and then this
0: episode is brought to you by landlord landlord's an easy to use app that is perfect for landlords or property investors it allows you to track your cash flow or irr and there's a suite of other features within the app you can get started for free down below in the description and you can even use it as a deal analyzer that will help you make the right decision on your first rental property we thank you guys so much for the support and we're so excited that we're partnering with landlord
2: the other one will say the complete opposite. Back to your story of one bank saying, well, I'll give you 510. It's like where they come up with these things. I, I think well, everyone's just trying to protect their butt at the end of the day. To
1: me, to me, that just makes me a little concerned that is there something else coming? Is there more interest rates coming? Mm-hmm. Is there, like, why would that, because that just doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. So is there is there something else that's going to come out? Is there... Um, like this, these fifteen minute cities. Like this is up north. Yeah, this is Embrace Bridge, Muskoka. So, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. All I can do is that all my top clients are saying, "Survive till twenty five. Mm-hmm. Hold on to your properties. Do what you can. Yeah. And uh, you know, just, just, just hold it out. Yeah. I'm like, well, fuck, easy for you to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to yeah. give away, you know, a couple hundred grand in interest just to make these properties float for another couple to keep of years. Them. Yeah, yeah. In the hopes. That the rates go down in two years, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. who knows? I, like higher for longer is is the best saying right now. Right, like everyone thinks so next year they're going to go down, and cool. you know, this is this
1: is going to give us hope. But the problem is, is that we're so short on inventory that it's it's almost like they're like, well, oh, fuck, we we know that even if we raise the rates, property inflation is still going to go on because there's not enough. Yeah. And if we keep bringing people in, it's they're creating their own problems. They're creating their own solutions, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, whack a mole. That's what that's what we're doing. Yeah, we're I don't, one thing and another is popping up. Yeah,
1: yeah. And there's so much protection in Ontario. It's okay. Well, the Auditor General um, came out with her report on Doug Ford. Some developers got slipped some acreage. Fuck, everybody's been doing that since the dawn of time. <laughs> Get the houses built. Yeah. And, you know, I, I agree with the more affordable housing. But, I mean, at the same time, it's like the the amount that opening up that green space did was virtually nothing.
2: Mm. And they they gave some green space, I guess, back back. But yeah. they added the exact same amount of acres somewhere else. So there's still yeah. two million acres. I
1: I know. I I'm saying open it up more. Is what I'm saying. Mm. However, I keep.
2: I. This is my thing. I agree with you. If we were if we were like crazy landlocked, which we're not. Niagara on the lake. You're saying it doesn't even have Sobeys. Tons of room to build there. Yeah. Tons of room to build outside of the green belt. I like the idea of Ontario having a green belt and protecting the Me too. natural resources, and the farmland. Like yeah. at some point, urban sprawl has to be controlled, and we can't use up all that land because there's so much in Ontario right. that we can build on. It's about even affordable housing. Like I don't even know if I completely support government buildings and affordable housing everywhere. I think there just needs to be mass amounts of supply where. It, it becomes affordable in and of itself. Like government housing where they subsidize the rent and subsidize the mortgage. I don't know if I agree with that. That's very liberal, supporting the bottom. I don't know. I don't know. Work hard, buy a house eventually.
1: And sorry, what I meant by affordable housing is like, just don't build it to make somebody want to pay you $2 million for the house. Build it so that, okay, somebody who can afford a $2 million house is like, I'm not buying that. Right. And keep those costs low.
2: What about the types of housing that... We, we build like in Australia and in Europe, like even down to duct work and everything, like they're more on like heat pumps and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, heat and pumps like, are great. How can we bring down the cost? Because what, what are we at? 200 a square foot to build a very basic, basic, basic house. Yeah. That's, that's even pretty low. That's very, yeah, pretty and low. That's, that's just a basic house. So how do we bring that down? Is that even a question of what the standards are on how to build a house? They have to be, the electrical is even... Um, different
1: than it than it used to be. the the code all the code changes in Niagara at least that they brought out I think it was like 2017 or so added on average an extra thirty to fifty thousand dollars per house so when your house is you know when at the time was 400 500 600 like that's a fairly decent chunk of the profits that you had to add right. you had to add a 200 amp service. Yeah if there was, I forget this number, so don't quote me, but if you had more than 20 feet, you had to increase to two by tens or two by twelves or something like that. Uh, you had to have a rough in for a electric car. You had to have the heat recovery system. Uh, the HRVs, mm-hmm. you had to have those copper coils that were saving energy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, saving that hot water and all of that cost an extra 30 to $50,000 per house. Yeah. So like what, in, no wonder builders were like, okay, let's, let's, now they can't sell shit. Yeah. But like, you know, I saw one person, sorry to get off track. There's one builder that was offering 10% commission. Another one was offering six, another one was offering eight, and one was offering a free car. A free- <laughs> yeah. Bring us a buyer and we'll get you a free car. That's crazy. But here's the thing How I'm like, that? if How you're paying free? me 10%, I'm not doing that. No. Why would I ever? have my buyer buy a house and I get paid 10,000 or 10% commission. Yeah. No way. Only way I do it is you pay me 3, give them 7% break. Yeah. Like what the hell? Yeah. That's how desperate these builders are because they'd rather do that than well, they'll probably still end up going bankrupt, but at the same time it's that's the problem with the industry as well. Like I'm not a big Okay. What I'm going to say is a little controversial, especially, you know, where I'm sitting, but like the whole pre-con shit and the assignments in this, in that, like it's, it's, it was getting so inflated that they were going out to places like Niagara, Fort Erie, blah, blah, blah. Half of them were cheap, shitty houses. The other half, you know, by the time they closed, you can never rent. They all bought it to rent it out. And they, when they realized that they couldn't get three thousand dollars a month in Fort Erie for a house, they're like, "Well, what the hell do we do?" Yeah. People and burn, it's like they burned them down now.
0: Arson happening everywhere. Yeah.
1: You see it all right?
0: on Twitter. Yeah. Literally the, this fraud. guy literally ran out of a house, yeah. and it's all burned down. Like all these fires are happening, and it's because yeah. people's backs are against the wall. They put two, three hundred k into this yeah. project, and you know they did their numbers at two percent. Now we're at six. It's not going to appraise. They need to come up with more yep. money, and the hire someone to burn it down.
1: That, that's, that's right. And if, if some of the builders weren't right so now. friggin' shady, man, like we have some really solid ones, you know, like Pinewood homes, shadow Pinewood homes. Uh, like we've got a few in Niagara that are very well known and they yeah. have a good reputation, but you know, it's, it's just my opinion. I never felt comfortable saying, Hey, yes, buy this pre con so far out. Anything can happen. It's a little bit of a risk, Next thing you know, you can't assign it. Nobody, market shuts down. Now you're stuck with paying a prop, uh, like, you know, a million bucks for the property that's worth six. Yeah. So I never liked it all too much. Toronto's different. I mean, projects can get halted at any time, but for the most part, things get done, right? But there's been a few that are canceled and people don't get their money back.
0: Yeah, BC did did that. A few builders, you know, they gave 20% down. They just said, Hey, our margins are razor thin. Yeah. We're giving you your money back and we're yep. not doing this.
2: That's sad for the, the builders too. Like how yeah. much money I have a project in uh, Porto Luzzi Yep. Okay, the harbor club. Harbor yeah, Club. The Harbor Club. It's yep. it's a sweet spot. I, I didn't even know Porto Luzzi existed out there. Yep. It is cool. Um and their construction loans day by day. It's like ten grand a day. Oh yeah. And you need to do a certain amount of sales before you can begin construction. Right. Um
1: But so then exciting. and then but there's another thing too sent a client there. Client, uh, loved it. You know, uh, called me. Okay, Angel, let's write something up. I call the, the, the people and they're like, Oh yeah, sorry. Didn't know they had a realtor. You, you got to pay me th- well, you got to come up with three extra percent. I'm like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. That's the problem as well is like, you got to respect the realtors because look what's happening now. And if you can't, respect and have a good relationship with the realtors. Now you want to pay me 6% to bring my client there. Not Harbor club. I'm just speaking in generalities where it's like everybody wants, and I I understand. I want a deal. Everybody wants a deal. Everybody wants to make the most and save the most. But at the same time, now they're begging for us. Yeah. And it's that, that's an, it's just new construction. It's just not my thing. It's just so much bullshit. Yeah. yeah, In my opinion. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I, I agree. I don't think the numbers make sense at all anymore. The price yeah. per square foot. Right. It's crazy, but yeah, if you're if you're a new realtor and you're you're seeing that 5% commission on this, you're telling your clients a great deal all day, which is a big problem. That's a they, big problem. People are getting in real trouble, real heat. So even even when there wasn't realtors though, and people were lining up outside these mademy buildings and, you know, paying an outrageous amount when you could buy a resale tomorrow for 300k less. Um, and now they're in trouble. People are yeah. legitimately in trouble as they close, and they're
1: trying to sell for an exorbitant amount, and they're never going to get it. It's, it's you know, not their fault. Fo- I, honestly, I just chalked that all up as bad advice from their realtors, to be honest. Like, yeah. I mean, a builder's builder, they've got their product to sell. Yeah. And I don't blame them at all for that. Uh, but it's it's the realtors that, are now, you know, you see it in Facebook groups all the time. Somebody help, my client can't close, and it's this and it's that. I'm like, well, you should have fucking thought about that. Yeah. You know, what I mean? nobody, in you know, nobody anticipates things anymore. People <laughs> no, give yeah. sacrifice what they want, you know, in the future for what they can have now. Yeah.
2: So, an interesting comment that I have is, you sell pre-construction, and it goes up and the rates hadn't changed and your client makes five hundred grand and rents it. You're a genius. Yep. Now you sell pre construction and the rates go up and maybe it comes down and now you're an idiot with bad advice. Right. So as much as I'm sure there are realtors that see that five percent like, well, this is my big payday. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of pre-construction does it's there for a purpose. Like yep. people want new houses new houses, condos, whatever the case may be. Um, maybe they don't have the full down payment yet. It makes sense. Maybe they love the location. It's
1: like, Absolutely. I
2: can't wait mm-hmm. three years when yeah. I'm done school. That's where I'm going to live. So I think just. It,
1: it's a, more about the assignment thing that I'm kind of talking about. If you Be- buy
2: too many and your goal is to assign and you tell your client that do this and assign it. Yeah. I it like always that's say, gambling.
1: I always say, especially because I've done a lot of new construction. I just say, look, can you afford to close on this property? If you can't assign it, no, then don't do it. Right.
2: Yeah, no, no, definitely. Don't, but do I, I a lot of
1: it. most people don't ask that question.
2: Yeah, do not rely on assignment. And, and,
1: and a lot of, and the, a lot of times, even in the residential world, I'm like, can you afford to buy this house without selling your house? Well, what do you mean? I'm like, are we going to need a buy a sale of buyer's property con- condition in the offer? Well, I mean, we just put it up. Like, what do you mean? Do I need financing? Like, mean, no, that's not what I'm saying. And so a lot of people actually assume that their clients know what they're doing. That's why we never assume anything. And we talk to our clients as if it's their first, as if they're first time home buyer. Yeah. And we have to physically, cause you, you might think that just cause they've done a few transactions in the last 10 years that they know what they're doing. They could have either just lucked out. Things have changed in the last, since the last time they transacted. So you'd be surprised, man. Like even with that, some the sale of buyer's uh, property condition. Um, uh, where am I going with it? Oh, so they they knew that they needed to sell it, but they would have just assumed that the house would sell to some degree. Where it's like, guys, if you fucking close on this property and you haven't sold your house, you can't. You're gonna get sued. Yeah, if you can't find bridge finance, what's bridge financing? Right. Yeah. Oh, here we go. So now this we, is why we do this podcast. <laughs> you, can't, honestly. you can't
2: even bridge finance if you don't have a firm sale on. Correct. Your yeah. Own well, people a lot of people, people don't understand no that.
1: Like, I got an offer. You yeah, have it. That's conditional on sale of buyers' property too. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And once one falls, they all fall.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. I've had that happen one time where we all closed on the same day, and our buyers didn't. We were relying on them, and it was a trickle effect. There was like four, yeah, and it was like a All right. Then we needed private money, and you can get creative if things
1: need absolutely things need to
2: happen. But it, it's a scary world out there if you don't have you <laughs> have a good network or really know what you're doing. Like in any situation that can come up in real estate, like you, you know, you got to know that your team has been through it before. Of course. So. It can't be the first time your real estate agent is going through something with you. Yeah.
1: Experience that. A- ain't a mortgage broker for that, so, right? Yeah. And that's why we contact. The reason why, you know, in my opinion, why we've been doing so well through this crazy, you know, troubling time, uncertainty, mm-hmm. is because we get on the phone with that agent, that agent, that agent, that agent. So if we had four... I'm making sure that that deal is based on a good list price for that house. That deal is listed. You know, I'm contacting everybody. And, you know, there's. you'll find that realtor's like, no, this house is worth a million bucks. I'm like, no, it's not. It's 700 and you're not getting this house unless you list it at 780 795 or something like that yeah. because that's you're you're just going to you're just going to screw everybody. Yeah. And uh, mortgage brokers for that matter too. They need to be um, you, you don't know how you have they have to be in consistent communication with everybody. The lawyer especially in the summer, lawyers away, mortgage brokers away, they didn't assign their file to anybody. Next thing you know, they didn't send their mortgage conditions. People don't understand that there's also conditions to get a friggin' mortgage, right? I'm surprised myself every time. I'm like, wait, I need to pay off my car loan? I need to pay off my credit card? That's like 40 <laughs> grand. I'm, oh, I didn't tell you that when we signed the paperwork? Sorry. Yeah. So everybody needs to be on the same page in markets like this. Yeah. yeah. In any market to be that. There's a lot okay. of moving parts
0: to real estate that people don't understand. So. That's right. Experience uh, matters, but that's the thing. People under
1: people think lawyers are smarter than us. Whether that's true or not, I'm just joking. But uh, they think it. We're all human, and people run their businesses differently. Do you have an assistant? Do you have somebody covering you? This, that, and a lot of people. A lot of times, people drop the ball on that kind of stuff. Totally.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Once the deal is signed, it's like on to the next.
1: Yeah. You got to have
2: a system in place.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's crazy, crazy <laughs> industry we got ourselves into. Yeah.
0: I think there'll be a lot of good court cases that'll kinda kinda give us real estate law going forward. You know, people who don't close and then they had to sell for three hundred K less. Like there's gonna be a lot of uh, you know, new new court cases that give us new laws that, that yep. you know, it will be good and more transparent for the for the industry. So
1: Yeah, yeah. no, I, I completely agree. We're dealing with people's life savings here. Yeah. In a in a in an economy where life savings are very um, you know, few and far between and most people's life savings is their house. Yeah. And all you need is a high school diploma. Yeah. And then you can go get your real estate license. <laughs> I, I've had sellers cry at the table because, you know, they legitimately thought their house was worth two and they get 1.5 and they're like, this was our life savings. I'm like, honestly, it's, I'm sorry you're going through this, but we can't just make money a period of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's about setting expectations, which I learned the hard way after that conversation. I'm like, shit, I should have done a better job at saying, no, your house is... I did say, hey, we should list at 1.49, by the way, but they wanted to list at 1.8 and all this other stuff, which eventually, that's the the difference between an uneducated realtor and an educated realtor, or one with confidence and one without confidence, Mm. is that had I told them confidently that, no, we're listing it at this price we might've been able to generate more interest and get them more money yeah. as opposed to having those days on markets go up and then eventually their market value price drop,
0: down. price drop, price drop. Let's drop 10 You're chasing K. the market. Let's do anything. 10 K does nothing. Yeah, exactly. Gotta 50 gotta be a hundred. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so,
1: yeah, I know it's every day is a learning experience.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Every market's different. Markets are cyclical. It's fun when it's hot and then yep. it's, it gets- Terrible when it gets cold and well, each
2: you... one is hard like in the covid like it, it was eye roll that every every single thing was in a bidding war and it was like yeah let's go okay yeah. let's go and what should
0: we pay yeah. no, what's and the number it's
2: tough too because then they're relying on you if they have a budget of 800 the house is listed at 599 it's like how high could it go you're almost relying on your realtor to tell you what the offer should be yeah whereas now it's kind of like you almost go under asking or maybe a little over depending on the client's budget. Before, it was the realtor saying, pay this to get the house. And because um, yeah. your pre-approvals were higher at the
1: time. Yep. Yeah. And you're on a variable rate. Yeah. Right? Because anything can happen in the next couple of years if you wanted to go and buy another property, right? Have you got any variable rate sellers that have contacted you? I've had
0: my fair share. So I was wondering. If, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. But honestly, Niagara on the Lakes, li- my clientele is a little different. Okay. Majority of my clients are 55, 60 plus. So they have the life savings. They probably paid cash for Equity. The house. A yeah. yeah. actually yeah, yeah. carry two houses. Yeah. Um, or they're younger, kind of executive style where they're just they just, they're not interested in necessarily investing. They're more just buckling down and getting themselves a nice executive house.
0: Yeah. Full transparency. Everyone who's messaged me regarding a variable rate has been a millennial. Yeah, and they've had to sell,
2: and they've had to sell. No way,
0: couldn't handle it. Right, underwater, pulling from a line of credit. Just, yeah, yeah, can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't sleep. Sell this thing. Yeah. Even that if they, sad. even if they broke even, they'd be like, I don't care. Just tr- try and get me to yeah. break even. You know, most of the time they make money because they've, they've held it long enough. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
1: Sad. Well, and what's even sadder is when those people do get desperate or in a bad spot, and they're still listing it higher. Uh, like we had a client that bought new construction, builder was selling it for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars less, and, what they and he wanted to list it at five hundred and thirty. Like why? I'm like you're gonna get sued because you sure. can't get close. You physically can't close, and it's like the same thing. You know, even in the the resale market, where it's like the bank is taking this house from you. It's not worth what you want to list it at. Like, why are you doing this to yourself? It's yeah. not gonna be able to close. You're gonna get sued yeah. in this, that, this, that. They're gonna you want a bankruptcy on your credit file? No. Like, way. I don't understand. So yeah. yeah, I feel bad for those people, but also when they don't want to listen, you gotta be like, oh, fuck, I don't know. You I'm gotta not tell not them the this. truth. Yeah.
0: I'm not your friend, I'm not here to you know, yeah. sugarcoat things. there's no judge. Yeah. yeah. I'm not your uh I'm yeah. Not, I'm not your no mama judgment. here making you chicken soup. I got to tell you the truth here. So <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> anyway, so let's finish up with you a little bit. Where do you see yeah.
0: yourself going? You got your hands in a lot of things. Where do you see yourself? Yeah. In five years. What, what do you see yourself doing?
1: Honestly, we were taking the brand awareness up a thousand percent shooting, uh, for a network television show this week. I've worked on a pilot last year. Uh, we decided to scrap What we did, yeah, because we wanted to change it up a little bit. Uh, You know, we put it to a couple of networks. They didn't pick it up anyways. Um, So we're going to make some adjustments on that. From the real estate standpoint, um, our goal in the next five years is at least to have two or three more offices open. And uh, within three years, have about 50 agents and about in five years, have hit that 100 mark. So it's it's crucial for me. Um, You know, everybody's like, well, why don't you just focus on your market, this and that. Like, look, at the end of the day, We have to go widespread. We have to not turn people down that want to work with us. And we have to find a way to really get international. And that's how I feel the industry is going. I feel that as, you know, my clients, ever since I started in this industry, they were cottage in Muskoka, house in Niagara, second house in in Florida. And I want to be able to facilitate. If it's not Florida, is it Texas? Is it Alberta? Is it Banff? Yeah, I need to be a part of that transaction. That's true. What I've noticed over my seven years in the business is that with my ninety percent agent agent referrals, they just keep coming because they understand the service that we provide and the and the network that we provide. That you know, you look at some of these big guys, Josh Altman, Ryan Sarah Hunt. They've got their licenses in multiple different states. Yeah, and they have it for a reason because their clients are going there so why not be a part of that transaction so growth is huge and you know
2: i find that a lot of the big teams and my a lot of my clients say this to me um after meeting with me and maybe a few other teams if they don't have a realtor um calling up whoever you see on the side they don't even want to name names yeah right? <laughs> yep interview the big teams you're not getting the the guy no right so that's that's a thing where it's like if you if they're taking on anyone that wants to join their teams
0: yeah anyone with a heartbeat right they're just,
2: right, yeah, they're yeah. just getting You're getting bad advice you, yeah. be, you yeah. become a lead you don't become a client so that's why i think it's so important that and i've restructured my team too that like my people are like brook 2.0s so where it's like you got that because i know what you say to them is going to be what i said to them and not some buddy that just got their license yeah, like i want to yeah. join the biggest team because i want experience and then so much volume comes in here, take this lead, here, take this lead, whatever. Yeah. You don't get the big people anymore. No. That's why I'm trying right. to, how yeah, I'm trying to yeah. my team. And
1: that's why it was so important to separate so it's not an Andrew Perry team, it's the final states team. And so, like, I've rarely put my face on, I don't put my face on anything other than my own personal re- Instagram, Instagram and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Cool. yeah, and it's just one of those things where, whether it's ego, whether it's, you know, you, you're, you as an owner still produce 80% or more or slightly less of the team's business, that's a problem. Yeah. There's a difference between what I just mentioned now and a true CEO, somebody who runs the play. I'm not interested in being Andrew Perry, the number one realtor. I'm interested in the finest state team being the number one team. And if I've got to you know, step out of my sales to make that happen, then I will.
2: Cool. How many sales justifies being the second place team in Niagara?
1: Uh, we're currently at like the 70, 80 mark right now, a little bit slower. Last year was, uh, we finished with like over 120 or something like that, but our sales volume is high. So our right. sales volume right now is close to a hundred mil. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's right. awesome. And there's just, uh, it's about 1700, 1600 people in realtors in Niagara. Give or take.
0: Okay. Amazing. Good You're for really you. Good. Well, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, We've hey. been managed. We, we did 100 mil last year. So, this our goal is to finish with 150 by the end of this year.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I felt this was a f- refreshing conversation. It's always good to hear from a, you know, big, yeah. bigger team guy that he cares about his people that he works for. And it's not a revolving door and, yeah. and things yeah. like that. Solid crew. Economic output. You got any more questions? Yeah. Um, yeah. You're good. All right. Well, if you got any, if you have a, I know you have a podcast. If you want us to ever come on, we'd love to oh, yeah. be a part of it and chat a little bit more. And yeah, uh, okay. well, you got to grow. We'll it. <laughs> uh, it was good to collaborate with you. Man. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll have you on again for sure.
1: Yeah. It's great because we you know. don't do a lot of like stat style and, opinions yeah which is you know as i I think i was mentioning off camera it's like we really want to take the podcast in a little bit of a different direction you don't want to have you know the same regurgitated stuff on and you know more of opinions and i think that's what people actually want to hear too we got a lot of those don't we
2: (laughs) in in an economy like this we're so divided as a country right now more so than ever before so it just as much as it's controversial it just it puts things out there and it also as much as people maybe don't want to hear something that is complete opposite to their opinion at least it's out there and then the people that have the capacity or ability to be like huh interesting yeah. i never thought about that way." because even when i read the comments and i get somebody saying something to me i'm like hmm, good point yeah. so it helps like when people are throwing their opinions at each other as much as it is sort of like a fight it does put all the opinions out out there yeah right yeah.
1: and people can so make that decision and for themselves kind of rude for sometimes sure.
2: but some people just share <laughs> their experience and say, yeah hey, this is what i'm experiencing and then we've read some of those comments yeah on the podcast. they've been good just, it becomes real and not mm. necessarily just what we're seeing as agents who just look at it every day i agree but, um what clients are actually going through and what people even in other countries or immigrants that have recently come here what they're going through and what their opinion is versus what maybe an agent some people see us as oh, Big agent that has probably not really affected. I don't care about their opinion, but when we take everything into account, yeah, yeah, um, it, it becomes helpful. I think. Sure, I agree. I agree.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, where can people find you? At
1: the Andrew Perry.
0: At the Andrew the Perry. Andrew Perry. that. Like right, cool. We'll definitely. Oh, link because before down
1: I couldn't get verified before you could pay for it, so I was getting everybody uh, like making fake accounts like fifty a month. Oh God. Yeah. 50 A month. Yeah, I got one person you know, actually fell for it. Oh, uh, there's a few people that like will send me screenshots, be like, Hey, this guy's impersonating you. I'm like, you've been talking to this person for like a week. So <laughs> this is bad. Yeah, so that's yeah. why I got the blue check. Cool. I'm like,
2: people sometimes text from me. Hey, it's broke.
1: I, I know. You- whatever. Yeah.
2: Now, that's creepy. It's, there's no,
1: yeah, <laughs> there's no crazy. limit to these fucking scammers, man. But yeah, no, yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, okay, absolutely. Well, we'll link Andrew's stuff down below. And uh, if you guys are on YouTube, Uh, Please like and subscribe. And if you want some more short form content, we're on TikTok and Instagram as well. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give us a rating as it helps us grow the show. Yeah, we appreciate you guys so much and take good care. Bye.
2: Bye.